You're listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad. We have previously chatted with Dr. Jason King and we have talked about the relationship between Canada and Ireland that was forged from the famine and how the stories that have evolved and emerged from that period of time. And to Strokestown Park, which is twinned with uh, Grosseil, um, there is a relationship there as well tied in with the famine. Well, Dr. Jason King participated or, or was involved in the creation of Great Famine Voices Roadshow that came through Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, other parts of Canada in the last few years. But this year, as with an awful lot of other things, were virtual. And it's the roadshow this year is consisting of a series of films that will get underway Sunday, May 2nd and run right out to the 20th of June. And Jason is here with me. Jason, thanks a million for coming along. Thank you for having me, Austin. Yes, we're, we're very excited to be launching our Great Famine Voices Roadshow 2021, which we call our Famine Heroes series. As you pointed out, in 2018 and 2019, we were fortunate enough to go to Canada uh, and collect stories from people talking about how their ancestors came from Ireland to uh, uh, to Quebec in, on, in Ontario, either during the famine period or afterwards, or sometimes they themselves, if, if they were born in Ireland. And we had wonderful visits to uh, Montreal, Quebec City. We went to Grosseil with Parks Canada. Uh, and we had road shows as well in Ottawa and in, and in Kingston. So, uh, so, so yes, we had we had a wonderful time. But as you as you pointed out, as a result of COVID, we are now fully online for the second year in a row. We're grateful to the Emigrant Support Program for funding the Great Famine Voices Roadshow, and we have what we think is a a, a very diverse set of films this year, uh, launching this Sunday about the famine Irish in Canada, the famine Irish in the United States, and the famine Irish in Manchester in, in, in Great Britain. And uh, if I may, I, I, I want to give you a very brief overview of our, uh, of our season this year. And it's really broken up into three different sections, which I would like to, uh, to preview for you. This coming Sunday on May 2nd, and then the following Sunday on May 9th, we've been working very closely with our partner, uh, Professor Christine Keneally at Ireland's Great uh, Hunger Institute at Quinnipiac University, to make programs about black abolitionists in Ireland. We're also working with the African American Irish Diaspora Network. Uh, and we have two programs in particular on this theme. This coming Sunday, our first program is Sarah Parker Remond, a feminist abolitionist in Ireland. A fascinating story about Sarah Parker Remond's visit to Ireland in 1859, following in the footsteps of her brother, uh, Charles Lennox Remond, and Frederick Douglass, of course, who made a famous visit to Ireland in 1845-1846, uh, 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 just as the famine was getting underway. And then the following week, on May 9th, we have our second program on the theme of African uh, abolitionists uh, in, in Ireland. The title of this program is William Henry Lane, Master Juba, the Father of Tap Dance. And William Henry Lane uh, was an orphan. He grew up in the Five Points area of New York, one of the toughest neighborhoods in uh, the United States in the mid-19th century. He became renowned for his, 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 his dance skills. He performed in, uh, in, in, in minstrel shows. He was, in fact, the only African-American to be allowed to perform in minstrel shows during the period. And he's regarded as one of the fathers, or the father, of the art form, the dance form of tap dance. 
In 1849, he made a visit to Great Britain and Ireland uh, as, as part of a, as part of a, a, a dancing uh, troupe. He uh, acquired a great deal of celebrity in Ireland. He was warmly embraced wherever wherever he travelled, and uh, made quite a name for himself. Uh, but then, sadly and somewhat mysteriously, he sort of disappears from the records a couple of years later in 1851, where he dies either in, in Ireland or, or, or in England. We're not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he dies of, 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 of malnutrition um, uh, during, during, during the period of the Great Hunger. So it's a sort of sad and sudden end to this man who achieved a great deal of renown in his lifetime. He died quite young uh, and is still relatively unknown. So um, two programs we're very excited about. Um, so, Jason, if I can ask you there, what intrigues me about what you've just said is here in 1849, you have a visiting troop coming from North America to Britain and Ireland, but to Ireland at a time where Ireland is coming out two years after 1847, that that is even happening, given the devastation that would have happened in the country in the years before. Yeah, it's one of the paradoxes, I think, of the great hunger that, that we sometimes forget, but that in many respects life goes on during the, uh, uh, during the famine, during the devastating impact of the great hunger. So while it's certainly... Uh, it, 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 it's decimating certain segments of the Irish population, especially those lower down the social ladder, the cottiers, the the, uh, uh, the, the landless agricultural laborers, uh, and of course uh, epidemic diseases spreading all around the country. Nevertheless, there are still entertainment troops touring uh, around the country, including people like uh, William Henry Lane, Master Juba, the father of tap dance. So there's almost these two different worlds existing mm. side by side where the uh, uh, people still go to see dance shows while the famine is, 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 is taking place all around them. And of course, if the, if the audience is from a sort of higher social strata, it's less impacted by the famine. It might even be somewhat oblivious to the suffering that's going, uh, that's taking place all around it. And, particu- um, but, yeah, and particularly, I won't say ironic, but particularly pertinent during COVID. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I was going to say, uh, in, in some respects, life doesn't go on uh, uh, as much during our period as it did then, in the sense that uh, there's there's no entertainment for most of us, no congregating, no uh, no equivalent of going to see Master Juba performing his tap dances in the world we're living in now. But hopefully, that is coming to uh, an end in the near future, and, and hopefully, the Great Famine Voices Roadshow will be uh, visiting Canada, visiting the U.S., visiting Great Britain in person next year. That's, right. that's what I'm hoping for. So then May 16th is the National Famine Commemoration Day. Yes, uh, May 16th is the National Famine Commemoration Day, an annual event in Ireland. Last year it was very pared back, of course, because of COVID, and that will be the case again this year. Up until last year, the National Famine Commemoration Day, which is an occasion of state, would rotate between the four provinces of uh, the four provinces of Ireland, and usually would be a big community type of uh, event. You know, the National Famine Commemoration Day ceremony itself would take place uh, on a Sunday in May, usually the third Sunday in May. But often there'd be a whole week of, uh, of famine commemoration events connected with that. Um, as I said, you know, last year it was pared back; it will be pared back again. But in some ways, that makes the event all the more poignant. And what we will be doing this year, immediately after the National Famine Commemoration itself, which will take place Sunday, uh, May 16th, 
I believe it will take place from 12.15 to around 12.45 Irish time, so that would be an early start in North America, 7.15 to 7.45 on the East Coast. Immediately after the formal commemoration comes to an end, we have our, our own program on greatfamonevoices.ie. Uh, we have a program called Songs of the Great Hunger with our very special guest, Brendan Graham, the famous songwriter. And uh, we'll have Brendan with us live for the program. Uh, and we'll be reflecting on his music about the Great Hunger, music that's often performed at National Famine Commemoration events. Last year, the wonderful singer Amy Banks performed his song uh, Krukon Nabashta in, uh, in Stevens Green at the Pello. Very powerful, very poignant uh, performance. And uh, we'll be featuring that as part of our program. We'll have Brendan with us to reflect upon his song. So we're very, uh, we're very excited about that. And then we have a second program with Brendan that I would like to call your attention to. Uh, in this case, it will be on June 13th, a program called Songs of the Irish American and Canadian Diaspora. Again, we'll have Brendan with us to reflect upon some of his music. And in this case, it will be a, a more wide-ranging program, not his songs about the famine specifically, but songs about emigration, songs about uh, traveling to the New World, songs about traveling to Ellis Island, in the case of his very famous song, Isle of Hope, Isle of Tears, which will be featured in our program, and a song about Canada, a song that Brendan uh, co-wrote for the, the wonderful Irish singer Sean Kane, a song called The Coast of Labrador, which they created, uh, to celebrate Canada's 150th anniversary in 2017, uh, a song all about the connections between Ireland and Canada. And Sean will be joining us for the program, so we'll have, a, a, I think, a wonderful session with Brendan and Sean reflecting on these songs of the Irish-American and Canadian diaspora. And I see the connection with um, Quebec is also being featured on the 23rd of May. That's right, that's right. We have two programs in addition to Songs of the Irish, Canadian uh, and American Diaspora, specifically about Irish-Canadian connections, the first of which is May 23rd, uh, called Strokestown Famine Orphans in Quebec and New York. This is a program that's very close to our heart because it features the stories of a number of families who left from Strokestown in 1847, to start new lives overseas in Quebec in particular. And if I could take a moment to set the scene. In 1847, the landlord at Strokestown Park, Major Dennis Mahan, uh, to basically, it, I don't, I don't want to say he cleared his estate, as many landlords did at the time, because he wasn't as cruel as many. What he did was he offered his tenants uh, the opportunity to go to Canada at his own expense. Of course, his ulterior motive was to save him the cost of paying for them in the poorhouse. But nevertheless, where many landlords cleared their estate without caring what, in any fashion for the welfare of his tenants, uh, Major Dennis Mahan paid their passage to the New World. 1,490 of those tenants left from Strokestown in May of 1847, sailed across the Atlantic in four vessels, and unfortunately, unfortunately for Major Dennis Mahan in particular, two of them turned out to be some of the worst of the coffin ships. The Virginius, 
in which over half of the passengers died, and the Naomi, in which almost half of the passengers died. And there's an ongoing debate about uh, the extent to which Major Dennis Mahan was responsible for commissioning what were uh, inferior ships, and I think the consensus now, it was mostly the fault of his agent and cousin, John Ross Mahan, rather than, than Dennis Mahan himself. Uh, but nevertheless, many of his tenants, up to a third of them, died during the transatlantic crossing, and this was a factor uh, in motivating his assassination on November 2nd, 1847, in Strokestown, when he was returning from a relief meeting, mm. as news filtered back from Canada about the very high death toll on the Virginius and on the Naomi. The remaining tenants on the estate were incensed, and that was the factor, not the only factor, but a significant factor in bringing about his assassination. He was mm. the first assassin. He was the first landlord to be killed in Ireland. Mm. But our program focuses on two families in particular, the Ties and the Quins. Both of these families were part of that group of 1,490 tenants who left from Strokestown in May of 1847. They walked along the Grand, uh, along the Royal Canal to Dublin uh, in that month of May of 1847. We now have a walking trail created in their memory called the National Famine Way. I would encourage everybody to get out on that walking trail as soon as you're allowed, which is not quite yet, except in your county. So they traveled to Dublin along the Royal Canal by steamer to Liverpool, and then from Liverpool, these two families boarded the Naomi, one of the worst of the coffin ships. And by the time they arrived at Grosseal in 1847, the entire families, except for two sets of siblings, Daniel and Catherine Ty, a brother and sister, aged not, uh, 12 and 9, and Patrick and Thomas Quinn, two brothers, aged 10 and 5, were the only surviving members of their families. As it happens, they were both taken in, adopted by French-Canadian families. In the case of the Thai family, Daniel and Catherine, the, uh, the French-Canadian family originally only wanted to take Daniel, but Catherine cried so hard at the idea of them being parted that the family relented and took the two of them together. So they grew up on the same farm. The farm was then passed down through the generations, first to Daniel Thai and then to his descendants, although they became, uh, they became Francophones in the process. So within a generation, the spelling of their surname had changed from T-I-G-H-E to T-Y-E. And that family farm remains with the Thai family today, now unilingual French speakers, unilingual French speakers for generations. But in 2013, the descendant of Daniel Thai, the most recent occupant of the farm, Richard Thai, came to, to Ireland, came back to Strokestown as part of the gathering of that year, the first memory of his family to make the return visit in the hundred and almost 150 years. So it was a very poignant and, and mm -hmm. powerful occasion. And uh, when we brought the Great Famine Voices Roadshow to Quebec City in 2019, made our visit to Grosseal, we saw the Thai family again. They all came to our event. So that was a very special moment as well. The other family, the Quinns, uh, Patrick and Thomas Quinn, were also adopted into a French-Canadian family. In their case, in the town of Nicolet, which also hosts a seminary, both of them became priests. Both of them lived very long lives. Both of them served in the eastern townships of Quebec, mixed French-Canadian and Irish Catholic congregations. 
And in the case of Thomas Quinn, he became a defender, a great champion of French-Canadian rights. He spoke at the first Congress of the French language in Canada on the date of September 25th, 1912, decades after he arrived in, uh, in Canada, and he recalled decades later the horrific conditions of the famine voyage. He made a speech in which he specifically recalled being on Grosiel and being summoned to the deathbed of his father, James Quinn, and James Quinn's dying words, his final words to his two sons, which were, remember your soul and your liberty. Remember your soul and your liberty. Words that, of course, stayed with Thomas Quinn for decades that followed, and words that he then employed in his campaign to defend the rights of French Canadians. Remember your soul and your liberty became his kind of slogan for defending his French Canadian parishioners in particular against which, what he saw as the onslaught of the English language. In, uh, in Quebec's eastern townships in 1912. So quite a journey that mm-hmm. he embarked on, and a very powerful story. Mm-hmm. A- and another point to make about the Quins is that they were the only members that we know of from that cohort of the 1,490 emigrants who actually made a return visit to Ireland in the 1870s. They both came back to Strokestown, where they uh, uh, where they'd spent their childhood, visited the places of their youth, and then brought one of their nieces back with them to Quebec, a woman named Mary Quinn, who, uh, I, who became, you might, we might say, the last member of, uh, of, of that generation to emigrate from Strokestown to start a new life overseas. So, very powerful stories mm-hmm. that we have. And our film, uh, our film on, uh, uh, on May 23rd, tells their story and has some footage of the ties in particular passing along the story as it, as it had been told through generations from the arrival of uh, Daniel and Catherine Tye in Quebec in 1847. So, yes, a very, uh, a very uh, powerful program, something to, to look forward to. Uh, and then our final program uh, of, this, uh, of, of this season is uh, on June 20th, Dr. Grissett's Sacrifice, Canadian Caregivers and Irish Ancestors Remembered, a program that we are uh, developing in uh, partnership and collaboration with Canada Ireland Foundation to tell the story of Dr. Grissat in Toronto, Canadian caregivers in Toronto who laid down their lives in 1847. And of course, this, uh, this program is, help, is part of the lead up, part of the build up to the opening, the unveiling of Grissat Park in Toronto, a new major famine commemorative space that Robert Kearns and Canada Ireland Foundation have been, uh, uh, really have been developing for years. Mm-hmm. It will open in mid-July on the anniversary of Dr. Gossett's death. It'll be very poignant and very fitting, of course, in the midst of the COVID epidemic, especially now in Ontario, as this new wave is, 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 is proving even more devastating than the previous ones, to honour those caregivers. Uh, not only of famine Irish emigrants in 1847, but for all who suffer from epidemic disease, all of those caregivers, all of those frontline work- workers who uh, who risk and often give their lives in caring for others. So, Jason, while these are going to be on those particular dates, um, you are in the Irish time zone the, along the eastern 
coasters a five hour time difference. Are these going to be available on demand? So that they will, absolutely. If I yeah. could explain how we, uh, we release <coughs> our programs, we, uh, we release them a week before our discussion of them on our website, greatfaminevoices.ie, famine slash heroes. They're, they're YouTube videos, so they can be viewed at any time at your leisure, either uh, before we have our, our discussion or afterwards. Our first two programs are already on the site if you want to watch them, greatfaminevoices.ie slash famine-heroes. Um, and then the date that we've been talking about are our discussion dates. So we hold a discussion on Zoom with the filmmakers where we talk about the film, and this is a live event that everyone's welcome to join us for, a free event. And we have our Zoom invitation details right under the film on the website to make it as easy as possible to join us. And time-wise, uh, the live events will happen at what time? All of our live events, or almost all of our live events, I should say, are scheduled for 7 p.m. Irish time, 2 p.m. Eastern time in Canada and the United States. The one exception is National Famine Commemoration Day, May 16th, which follows immediately from the ceremony, which will be close to 1 o'clock Irish time, uh, close to 8 a.m. In, uh, in, in the eastern United States, eastern Canada. And is there a shelf life on any of these uh, films? In other words, uh, if somebody is saying, well, I haven't time at the moment, uh, do they, is, there, is there a best by date that they need to get in in order to watch them? I'm happy to say there is not. The films remain available indefinitely to watch at your leisure. We have some wonderful films from last year, our 2020 season. They're all up on the website as well. Same link. It's lower down on the page. Um, so if you want, we have films about Canada as well from last year. If you'd like to check out our 2020 Great Diamond Voices Roadshow, um, they never expire. They're always available to view and encourage you and welcome you to, to do so. And given that Ireland is starting to open up, and I now understand that um, tourists, I won't quite say, well, museums, etc., are opening up. Is Strokestown House, has it got its reopening plans in place, and are there dates that you're aware the, the, of? The reopening plans are certainly in place. I don't think that we have a firm date as of yet, um, but it, uh, we're certainly looking forward to welcoming visitors back to the National Famine Museum as, as soon as possible. The grounds have been open the whole time, so there are, there are lots of people who come and, and walk around the museum. It's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful area, but we, uh, we're looking forward to opening the museum itself as, as soon as we can, and it should be in the near future. Indeed. Well, Dr. Jason King, thanks a million for taking the time. Very informative. I'm looking forward to watching these, and I'm hopefully I can uh, click in and participate or uh, enjoy the discussions that ensue after each event. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure.